Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of fantasy romance and romantic fantasy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Oh, so good. I'll slurp that puppy down. Today is Monday, December 6th. Uh, waning right down to the end of 2021. If you're on video, you'll see that I have out the uh, Christmas mugs. This one's getting uh, a little bit worn, but I've decided it's kind of um, now it's looking distressed. It uh, looks like an antique. I also um, did do some decorating over the weekend. Got the uh, outdoor lights up, added more. I, um, I'll put the photo on the um, um, show notes, thingies, whatevers. If you're on YouTube video, you don't see those pictures necessarily. Um, I think I think about using them as the, you know, like the upload photo, the cover photo for YouTube, but I usually just go with like my face going, and, and it's almost always an expression like that where I'm like, if you're on audio only, you can imagine it. Uh, but you can always go to my website. I don't know if you YouTube people, if you have an opinion, if you would rather have like the photo that I use as the cover photo for the audio part, um, let me know. I just don't even know what people want. I don't know what people want anymore. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I'm really happy with my, my outdoor lights. I may just leave the um, ones on the portal up, sort of on the interior of the portal up year round. They're, they're quite dim, uh, little fairy lights. And I live in a dark community, uh, deliberately dark. And it, we have no street lights and, you know, all downward facing lights and there are rules about Christmas lights, you know, that you have to take them down by the end of January, which I think is generous. Um, I know some people like hate HOA stuff with, uh, the, you know, like fiery hell fire, whatever. But, um, you know, we really appreciate it. There's a lot of, um, astronomers out here and we appreciate the dark skies. So I can't decide if those, um, I think they're dim enough that nobody would care. It's like much dimmer than a porch light, for example. So we shall see. I might see if anybody complains. Is that a bad way to do things? <laughs> see if anybody minds. Um, but yeah, so I'm real pleased with how all of that looks. It was, um, a nice laid back weekend, uh, I, I apparently needed some rest and recovery time more than I thought I did. I didn't get a lot done at the end of last week. So I spent a lot of time reading and um, enjoying, you know, sort of kicking back and doing stuff. I, I went to the store to buy more uh, lights and I wanted these ones that are these solar LEDs that I, I'd gotten for the first time last year. So I thought, well, I'm going to buy more of those because I really like those. And <laughs> I, I went to Lowe's because I had a gift card for Lowe's 
and they did not have any solar ones at all. And I thought, well, screw them. I did get a beautiful poinsettia from Lowe's, not incidentally. And then, so then I went to Ace Hardware. So then I went to Ace Hardware. I'm sure this is fascinating, but uh, where I bought where I bought the solar lights the year before, and there were only a few left of the solar ones, and not in the warm white, but of the cool light, cool white. So I thought, well, I'll see. And it turns out that they look kind of blue, and they're very pretty. Um, but I think this is like one of those um, pandemic ripple effects because I noticed that the Christmas lights are all made in China. Um, so. Apparently they're, I don't know, on a container ship somewhere, right? On a dock. And I was amazed that Lowe's had very, very few lights. Their stock was very low. So, well, apparently uh, not so many Christmas lights. But I was able to get what I wanted. So that's all I care about. Me and my uh, first world problems, right? I know I'm, I've, I've been using champagne problems instead of first world problems, which is you know, considerably more egalitarian, I guess. But, and sometimes there, I can't remember what it was. I had a problem the other day that I was like, it was so quintessentially a first world problem. It was like, uh, you know, like the thing that I had was um, not immediately usable in some way. Wish I could remember what it was. Now I I wanted to uh, tweet about it or something, and then I felt like it wouldn't be right. <laughs> Self conscious about saying things about first world problems, uh, because and for those of you who don't realize, you know, like it it's implying that uh, I mean, first world is a what you know, like an empire building colonial type thing to say. You know, it's there's the first world and there's a third world and. Uh, and as with the middle princess, nobody quite knows where the second world is. But anyway, so, um, so yeah, one thing I have been reading and I am really, really enjoying it. Um, I started reading it because my friend Marcella Bernard recommended it on her SFF seven blog post last week, uh, which I'll link to. And I thought, oh, well, you know, this could be really useful for me. And it's, um, it's called Burnout, Breaking the Stress Cycle. And it was interesting to me in that it's, and I should probably back up to say that I don't feel like I'm, I'm hugely stressed. I do a lot to manage stress in my life, but you know, I do have, um, you know, my husband has a chronic disease and it's, it can be sometimes stressful. And this book is really interesting in that the, their approach is not eliminate stress from your life, right? Which I always feel like is, you know, what people say, oh, you know, because David will tell me, um, you know, that I need to try not to be so stressed, you know, and I could feel like that adrenal thing kicking in my body, you know, and he'll say, you know, and some of the syphilis stress is, you know, that could, that happens too, depending on what's going on, um, you know, and so, but people 
you know, who, and they say this out of love, but they'll say, you know, you need to be, try to be less stressed. You know, the stress isn't good for you. And it's like, well, yes, I know that. But what do you do when the stress isn't something that you can walk away from? And this book approaches it as, you know, that, that you are in stressful situations that you choose not to walk away from. Like, you know, it, maybe it's your job and you need the money or it's your job and you love it. Or maybe you're caring for a terminally ill parent, or maybe you are, you know, there are all these things in our lives, you know, like getting older or having poor health or those kinds of things where you can't, um, eliminate that stress from your life. It's like, no, it, that actually is <laughs> your life. Um, if you can eliminate it, great. But what they're talking about is how you deal with it, how you, and, and they have this whole approach to how you complete the stress cycle so that you take that stress and you move it on through your life. And it really is extraordinary. Um, it already immediately helpful to me. Um, and so I will link to it in the show notes for sure, but it's called, um, burnout. Let me, let me go to see if I can do it here. Burnout, the secret to unlocking the stress cycle by Emily Nagoski and Amelia Nagoski. And that's N-A-G-O-S-K-I Nagoski. I hope I'm saying that correctly, but they're twin sisters. And one is a performer in music and the other is a scientist. And it's just, oh, and also the book is really directed at women and, and at the ways that women, um, get themselves into stressful situations in their lives because they're in the position of giving all the time. And so it's really, uh, really just eye-opening. Um, and I posted a couple of pieces of text to my Instagram yesterday as I was reading it. And, you know, one of the things that they said that really struck me, and I, I'll read it out here. I'll have to bring up my Instagram. This has got to be meta in some way, right? Like that I'm I put it to Instagram and now I look it up on my Instagram in order to read it to you guys. <laughs> Okay, so this, this line really stuck with me. When a task feels easy, we feel more confident about our ability to, per to perform that task, even though we are actually more likely to fail. Novices who are thoroughly incompetent rate themselves as very confident in their ability to do a thing that they have just learned to do. This is from uh, lots of uh, scientific studies. By contrast, genuine experts know how difficult their work is, so they are realistic about their competence and thus rate their confidence in their own abilities as moderate, even as their performance is, of course, expert level. And so I put that up and all the writers really grok to that because I think this is something that we really find is true that when you write your first book, in many ways, you feel confident about writing it in a way that you later lose. And we talk about that, like each book provides its own challenge. Each book is, um, 
knew it a different way. Why is my nose itching? <laughs> Isn't there like a old wives tale or something that like that means that you're telling a lie or somebody's thinking about you. I never know what these things are. I think I got it. I had to pause to like, I think it was actually a cat hair up my nose. Um, so maybe my cat was thinking about me, probably thinking about whether or not he could get more supper out of me. So anyway, <laughs> excuse that uh, brief, brief excursion there. I don't know. I forgot what I was talking about. Oh, novice versus expert. So, you know, it's interesting because writing is one of those things. And I think all kinds of creating is the same that as you become more expert at it, you become aware of exactly how great a challenge it is to do what you're doing. And it begins to feel more and more difficult. So, even though sometimes people will ask me, aspiring writers or younger writers will ask me if the process of writing a novel gets easier. I will say in some, in some ways it does because you know what you're doing. Um, you're, you're not having to reinvent your process every time and you get faster. Um, but you also get more critical of yourself in a way. That and I and I think that's this syndrome where, you know, the more expert you are, the more likely you're going to rate your uh, competence lower. So so that's that was really useful to think about. Um, and then something else that I posted. Let's see here if I can find it here. Oh, so they're talking about one of the ways of dealing with stress is being aware of, of this, that they break it down into to, to several things that cause us to feel frustration and to feel like we are um, not getting where we want to go. Uh, hello, writers. <laughs> and one of the things that they say is, if you are trying to do something where you will inevitably fail and be rejected repeatedly before you achieve your goal, then you will need a non-standard relationship with winning, focusing on incremental goals. Uh, I love that, a non-standard relationship with winning. Because one of the things I talk about on here all the time, and it's interesting how they phrase this, because they say if you are trying to do something where you will inevitably fail and be rejected re repeatedly before you achieve your goal, well, one thing about writing and maybe for all creatives is that you will inevitably fail and be rejected. Um, even, even if you are succeeding, you are still going to fail and be rejected. Uh, on the Pharaoh Discord this weekend, an author who, I, you know, seems to be doing quite well uh, was complaining about her newest book getting trounced in reviews. And I looked at her reviews and a whole lot of her reviews are, you know, five star glowing reviews, but it was these other reviews that were negative that were really bothering her. And you are just always going to get that, you know, you just, um, you are inevitably going to fail with some reason, um, very often, oh, sorry, fail with some reader 
for some reason, um, be, you know, that may have nothing to do with you. You know, it could be all to, to do with them. So I think that that's really important. And people didn't grok to this one nearly as much to the other one. And that could be like, I don't know, Instagram's algorithm, who knows, but it says, if you are trying to do something where you will inevitably fail and be rejected repeatedly and it, before you achieve your goal with writing, it's going to be throughout, um, you know, even as you achieve your goals or, uh, after you've achieved a goal and then you go to write the new, the next book. Right. Um, and I've talked about that on here, you know, like, um, the book we went out with on submission that did not sell, uh, because the publishers didn't know how to market it. You know, the story of my life. Another one um, that was Dark Wizard that my agent didn't want to take on submission, that she rejected it before it even got out to the editors. Um, you know, there are just going to be these cycles of rejection. And one of my college friends, uh, Leslie Malin, the delightful Leslie Malin, who runs the Chesapeake Shakespeare Company in Baltimore, uh, she did comment on that one and she said, um, and same for actors, what'd she say? Um, actors and producers too. And I think that's really true. You know, live theater, it's a huge thing, you know, where you are going to, you know, you're always in this cycle of creating the new thing and it's going to be rejected and you're going to fail along the way. And so I, I just love this. Um, it, it's very useful. And at the same time, it makes me laugh. You will need a non-standard relationship with winning. <laughs> um, and I think we talk about that here a lot, right? You know, a non-standard relationship with winning and the book gives some, uh, great tools for how you, uh, develop a non-standard relationship with winning. And basically it's something that same thing that I talk about, you know, is redefining success. Um, and sometimes, and, and what they focus on with their, you know, this tool is is redefining is creating these incremental goals so that you, you can celebrate the success for these incremental goals. And I think that that's just hugely important. And the other thing they talk about is keeping is things you can control because you can't control whether or not readers will love your books um, or whether they will give it a one star because they didn't like some particular thing in there. Um, and you can't control if your agent decides that she, that, that the book is too dark and she can't take it out. Uh, you can't control if the publishing house decides that they don't know how to market it and they reject it for that reason. Um, but there's, there's basically, if you're a writer, there is one thing you can control, right? One thing you can control. Um, it's say it with me, people, it's the writing. You can control, uh, writing, writing your book, keep your eyes on your own work. And one thing that the book moves on to talk about, uh, is, is having meaning in your life. That meaning is one of the anchors that keeps us going through, um, turbulent times. And, and it immediately made me think of how I talk about my writing habit as being a foundation as something that keeps me going, um, and kept me stable through pandemic and all that sort of thing. 
uh, and and it exactly fits in with their parameters of of meaning. If that one of the kinds of meaning is having uh, something that you are ambitious about, something that you work on that is important to you, and yeah, for me, it's writing is absolutely that thing. So, um, food for thought, right? And I've already talked for 20 minutes. Amazing. So on that note, I'll remind you all that first cup of coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network, and you will find more podcasts that you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.